Hello everyone, I'm Craig from Server Factory and this is my colleague Seb. Hey guys. And welcome to the third episode of the Data Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about three interesting articles. One is about a very new... Uh, one's about data center liquid cooling. The second one is about... Well, it's semi... It's kind of related to the Supermicro Bloomberg story. And it is a theory behind the chips that were placed onto the motherboard. And the third and final one is about growing up in a HPC world, which is an article on the next platform that is very interesting and we'll provide many details about that. I first wanted to start this pod podcast by giving our viewers a small update on what I've been up to and what the team as a whole has been up to. Recently, we attended Supermicro Innovate in Berlin, which was a very interesting event where over 300 resellers and distributed distributors came together to grow their partnership, learn more about Supermicro, learn more about their partners as well as Toshiba, Toshiba WD and Intel. There was numerous interesting speakers, such as I believe the CTO of Intel Business was there. I didn't get to see him. We filmed three different podcasts as well as another video at a networking event. The three videos will be coming very soon and they will be split up into a multitude of videos that provide value in their own and I'm sure that they will be interesting. So if you're ready, yeah. then we should get straight into it. Let's go. So the first article is an article on data center knowledge. This, uh, that is a very well known article website, news website within the industry. And it's about, I'm not sure on the pronunciation of this one. Schneider? It's Schneider. Schneider and HPE throw their weight behind data center liquid cooling. So what do you know about data center liquid cooling? What, have we dealt with it before at Server Factory? Do we have any knowledge of it? I mean, liquid cooling is, not really gone into the data center industry. Um, it's quite new, actually. Um, I know they use the liquid cooling and stuff like that for gaming and um, like... Workstation. Yeah, yeah, like you wouldn't have it in a data center, you'd have it like at home. Mm -hmm. uh, because it is expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, there are pros and cons and everything, but it is expensive. That's the main thing. Um, and for example, when you have a system that has um, GPUs or like... For example, if you have high-core CPUs or even in dual motherboards, you need that cooling. Um, so as far as that goes, it is quite new. Um, they did announce, however, a partnership, didn't they, Schneider? They announced a partnership with Avnet and Isotope. So it's a new collaboration. Um, Avnet is another supplier and Isotope is a liquid cooler supplier, if I'm not mistaken. So... Um, yeah, it's a new partnership. So it's a new partnership, that's good. So, so liquid cooling is new. Is that mm -hmm. what you're saying? It's brand new. That's when it comes to data centers. When it comes to data centers, when it's about well, anything else, it, it's not. It's been discussed. Well, there's, there's two different types of liquid cooling. There's completely submerged yeah. liquid cooling, and then there's also the more standard kind of. I'm, I'm not sure the uh, correct technical term for it is, but it's more like the gaming one where yeah. it's just all built into one as a radiator and but there is a com also a completely submerged one. Yeah. So let's, I mean, what would you be able to tell me about this partnership? I mean, Schneider, it, well, the actual company is called Schneider Elect uh, Electric. 
So they have the data center knowledge in this partnership. They know all about it. They do, I believe, all the electrics for the data centers, the racks, the you know, yeah. all the other stuff. Avnet is, as I said, one of one a supplier. So they have the IT knowledge. They know their hardware. They know their components. Um, and Isotope is the is the cooling knowledge. They deal with all the cooling. So it's kind of the three areas they need to cover into one. So you have to think that um, Schneider come in and say, okay. This is how we need our data center. Avon says, no worries, I'll give you the stuff. And then I still need to plan how to cool it down properly. So that partnership has really powered their partnership with HPE? Is that what you're... Well, yeah, of course, because um, you have to think nowadays when you go into a data center. I mean, have you been to a data center before? No. I've been a couple of times and it's all just noise and fans and a headache. <laughs> Nicely put. So, you know, liquid cooling would be quite nice in, uh, in the data center. So. It's a new partnership. It's only just in October that they did it, so we'll see how it gets on. I mean, it will push HP, HP, uh, HP, HP, HP. H it's yeah. same thing, isn't it? Yeah. So they, uh, it will push them further because um, they don't have to worry as much about cooling because they've got this partnership to sort of mm -hmm. to sort of cover that out. But at the same time, H HP has also done a partnership last month, didn't they? They did it with, is it GRC? GRC, GRC, yes. GRC yeah. So, basically, the plan is is um, HP, HP, whichever you want to say it, Hewlett-Packard Hewlett, uh, okay. Hewlett Enterprise. That one, so HP, HP and then HPE. I'm going to just call it HP to make our lives a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah? That's, that's the, yeah. yeah. So, basically, their plan is they want to create a, um, a complete solution with GRC. Mm -hmm. So, um, what they want to do, GRC will provide um, the cooling components. So, I think they released ICER-AQ, I-C-E-R-A-Q. So, I think ICER-AQ, mm -hmm. if you want to like, say it as a word. Um, so, they're going to integrate that into the HPE systems and then it'll be a complete solution. So, you know how I said about um, systems with like GPUs or like high power processors will need inside liquid cooling. Mm -hmm. That's basically what they're planning. So be a completely integrated system. Yeah. So it'd be a lot easier for the customer, for the businesses that are purchasing these mm -hmm. products to benefit from water cooling rather than having to go to multiple different vendors yep. and build it themselves or get an external partner to build it. It'll be very yep. easy, essentially. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Is there anything else to say? Do you know any uh, the positives and negatives of water cooling within the data center? I mean, yeah, of course, when it comes to... So let's start with the positives. So you've got the lower power consumption, mm -hmm. which would be the main point. You've got the protection from dust and like, dirt getting in. Very true, I didn't because, think about that. Because um, you have to think, I mean, you, you have a PC. Fans are the first thing to get dirty. Mm -hmm. They're horrendous for catching dust. Yes. Um, so it will prevent that, which means Slightly less maintenance. Yeah. And um, well, pretend it's hard to justify that entire maintenance cost. Well, no, no, no but, but think, for example, if you have, like, let's say, let's make it small scale, then we make it big scale, right? So, a small scale, you have a home PC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You will have to clean that PC out probably once every, I don't know, six weeks or so, because mm -hmm. it does get into it. And then obviously the performance will decrease of the fans of the cooling, I mean, not of the actual PC. But there's ways within the data center that reduces the amount of dust in but the But think, if you could reduce it even I mean, less, you won't have to do this, as much cleaning. <laughs> very true. It true. is, you know, it's, it's hard to explain but that. But there wouldn't be extra maintenance costs associated with liquid cooling within the data center. How so? 
because I mean, I don't really have too much knowledge on the data center, but I understand with home PCs, where it's still, there's still some sort of, how are you going to cool the water? That's using fans, that's using electricity, isn't it? Yes. When I meant maintenance, I meant the physical maintenance. The physical maintenance. I mean, That's yes. what I meant. Yes, I understand. Um, you have to think when it comes to liquid uh, cooling, it's mostly tubes and stuff like that. So also in, the, also in the data really center, you have to consider that when all the fans are blowing, a lot of circulation is occurring. Mm -hmm. So you go into a room with, I don't know, 500 servers all blowing at the same time. Circulation will go through. Any dust, dirt picked up will keep going through the systems. So it will stop, well, not maybe not stop it entirely, but will reduce. Yeah, definitely by a, a large quantity. Um, and, the and the third point um, I want to make is one that I've said before, for powerful GPUs, uh, systems with GPUs, systems with powerful PCs, you need it. Mm -hmm. Because um, fans just not all, are not always good enough. You have some, for example, gaming PCs, you have some systems with eight fans, which is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's a huge you know, So that would be the main three points. Um, there are some cons. As I said, they are more expensive. Um, liquid cooling will always be more expensive than a standard fan. Well, yeah, because it's not rel relatively, relatively available. It's <laughs> not the right word, is it? That's well, not, it's not, it's, it's not, not common. It's not as available. It's as not common. Fans. It's not common. Yeah, that's that's better. Um, it will be as time progresses and they develop it properly. Um, and then, for example, Just develop properly now. Develop it further. Think, well, yes, I, I apologize. But look, for example, HP. If you're going to buy a server from them, it's going in there. You don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a choice. It's in there. Um, obviously, you can buy a different system that doesn't have it. But why wouldn't you buy it? More expensive, as you've as you stated. Yes, but okay. If we're going to go down the more expensive route, it's probably more expensive for the average user. If you have a company worth millions, mm. an extra grand is, per system is not exactly going to make you go bankrupt, is it? But that's a huge cost if a system's... Well, how much would a system uh, work? It's so it, it's hard, hard to qualify. Yes, it's hard to tell exactly well, it depends how much if, more it depends it's going to be. If you're going for the cheapest system possible, you're not going to go for it, are you? Necessarily. It's made, no, it won't be worth it, because the cheapest system will not have the powerful hardware to protect. You have to think, if you pick a, um, a GPU system, with 10 GPUs and you're rocking 2080 Ti's in there. Very, yes, true. Th true. That system will blow. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to need a liquid cooling. But for example, if you have a Xeon Deep Not, not 2080 Ti's though, of course, because they're not officially compatible. It was just an example. It was the Tesla's. first graphics Tesla's, Tesla's, yeah. Go with Tesla's. Tesla's. Yeah, let's go with Tesla's. Yeah. So if you have 10 of them, you're going to need it, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Because the cards, one, are expensive, and two, they need to be maintained. If you have a Xeon D system, it's, it's, a, it's not exactly the strongest processor in the world, is it? So, yeah, you may not need not, it. It's not worth it. You yeah. may not need it. It's not worth it. Okay. Okay. So, I think, should we move on then what, to the to the? There was the one bulky more story. Oh, you wanted to say there was thing? one more pro. Go for it. Well, sorry, one more con, which needs to be stated. Um, leaks can ruin the systems. Yes, I was going to say that, but I I don't know. Obviously, because it's enterprise technology, it might be such an obscenely small chance of happening. You have to think of it this way. When you have liquid cooling in a system, you have tubes in a system mm -hmm. with liquid in it. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. So um, if one of them bursts, I mean, I think at least the motherboard will get fried, which mm, can be replaced, but not ideal, is it? That's the only... I think that's the most like important con. They need to find a way that that does not occur. 
I think if it occurs, one, one, if it occurs one in a million systems, it's it happens. It's know. enterprise technology, so I'm sure, I'm sure that it's not... Well, even with consumer technology like gaming PCs, it's, it's incredibly unlikely to happen. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's incredibly that's unlikely true, to yeah. happen. It's just... And it obviously depends how it's built. If you're custom building your water cooling with gaming, it's obviously a lot more likely yeah. to happen. Or potentially a lot more likely to happen. Well, gonna, it depends yeah. on the quality of the water cooling you use, the quality of the technology. But I'm sure that this technology, if it's going to be put into systems potentially worth 100 grand plus, yeah. it's going to be very, very, very high quality. Yeah, well, I mean, if they're going to create a whole solution around it, then it better be. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how they get on. Yeah. What was the next article? What you got for me? Well, actually, at Supermarket Innovate, I did. Oh. I've never really seen anything about water cooling within the data center, like properly. Water seen or liquid cooling? Liquid cooling. Right. Uh, in the data center, but my first glimpse of it at Supermarket Innovate, oh, yeah? and they showed a, a submerged system, which was quite cool. But we've never, so, I've never had any. It experience was submerged in. It looked like water, but I have no clue. Oh, so you put electrical equipment submerged. It was submerged water cooling. I think that's I mean, the proper name for it, but I'm not. Good for them. So they go on. Yeah. Make us proud. <laughs> Make us proud. Okay. So let's go into our second article. And this is a. Is this the controversial one? This is. It's not controversial necessarily. This is like the bulky, interesting, intriguing I'm article. I'm going to lose my job today. <laughs> this is. Uh, related to a topic that we previously discussed on the podcast, I'm not sure which episode was one or two, um, where we previously was discussed the the scandal between Bloomberg mm. and Supermicro, and how the story we recently, by this time this comes out, it'll be two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we uh, released an article essentially summarising the Bloomberg and Supermicro Supermicro scandal, mm -hmm. and how things have changed in the past year because it's pretty much it'll be about 13 months when this podcast comes out yeah to when that huge article came out tanked supermicro's stock and of course had other repercussions mm -hmm. but it was never officially there was no evidence provided essentially so i mean it's it's accusations essentially mm -hmm. but this article is basically talking about how little it could potentially be to plant a spy chip onto a motherboard, as little as $200, that is the quote. Planting tiny spy chips in hardware can cost as little as $200. So, do you have any comments on the initial title, the initial claim of this article? How do I say this? They need to. They they just need to get a hobby. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I don't know what they have against Supermicro with these chips. Um, when he when Craig said little, it's literally the size of a grain of rice. I think it was. We so, can't even. I I thought it was you, way smaller you, than that. I think they said in the article that it's about the size of a grain of rice, so you can't even see it properly. Well, it's, it's overly. It's easily overlooked when it's the size of that. Well, yeah, the supposed chips. Suppose. I mean. I mean there was never actually any evidence. That is true as well. It is the thing. You've got Bloomberg against Supermicro, Apple, Amazon, NASA. I mean, <laughs> I don't quite understand why, what they have against it. But let's, let's talk about it. So they're claiming that it's that easy to put a, uh, um, a chip in a server. Well, it's not, is it? Let's think about it. If you, for example, let's say your average, um, your average person 
wanted to uh, put a chip in someone's server. Well, we're talking about the Chinese government here. We're not talking about an average person. We're talking about huge... In the article, it states, it's, a, it's they accuse the me, say that it's easy for anyone that knows... They, they said it has two requirements. It has $200 and it has the right contacts. Yes. Well, yes. So if they said the Chinese government, that's a different story. That's... Well, this article, this, <laughs> yeah, this article is a bit different to the actual Chinese article one. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. It's more. But two hundred dollars, really? That's I mean, it. Yeah. I, I don't see it plausible. First of all, I mean, no, I'm just gonna say no. It's not. It's not. It's not realistically. I don't think it's possible. You have to think how are you going to one if this chip exists. How are you going to install it? Um, because you can't just walk into a data center and just put a chip and just well, walk it was, off. Well, within, related to the super micro Bloomberg story, it's related to in the actual supply chain, in the building of the motherboards in China, Yeah, that it was placed on at some part in the like conveyor belt system that I presume they have. So either... And there was a security lapse at one stage and then... This is all very... Mm. But there was a security lapse at one stage and then the... Obviously, the security systems in place to scan and check for any mobile functions and chips, but they obviously somehow like missed it. I, so very let me get this right. So you, you said when is that, when they're basically building on what the when they're actually building this motherboard. That's yeah. when it was implanted, so not in the data center, not afterwards. But that's obviously a potential. But to my understanding, in the Bloomberg story, they were stating that it was actually placed on in the manufacturing process. So it is directly relating to Supermicro. Because if it was just chips are placed on the motherboard, then it would be down to the data center or down to the reseller, down to the distributor, not actually down to the manufacturer. I would like to make one, one, I'd like to ask one question. Let's say that the, I don't even know who to accuse at this point. For sake of argument, yeah, let's say the Chinese government, because there was an article about that, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah? yeah. So, let's say they put someone into a super micro manufacturing plant, yeah, for like the components, mm -hmm. and they paid him to put chips into every board he makes, yeah? Do we understand how, like, if he put it in, like, five boards, I mean, it's, it's almost irrelevant. He'd have to take up quite a large majority of the stock. Now, think of how many millions of boards there are. Do you know how long it would take him to do that? I mean, how well, is, it's not plausible. I think you're almost underestimating the power of the Chinese government. I mean, probably. I mean, yes, I am. But at the same time, like, it's not them I'm saying that they don't have... It, it is the people that they are... Uh, supposedly are doing it like actually in the, how I don't understand how it works because you can't just put someone into a factory and say here's some chips put it in these boards and we'll yeah, give I you know, half a mil. Very, it's yeah. not plausible. Well it's not really give you half a mil it's you do this or we kill your family isn't it? I mean. That's all him. That ain't me. <laughs> okay, listen. Well, that's, I've insulted many people before but not the Chinese <laughs> government. <laughs> well no it's not well I mean, <laughs> that's all you. But anyway, no. But but think. I mean, you'd you'd either have to put one individual into a manufacturing plant for like twelve years, fifteen years, twenty years, or you'd need to literally overrun a manufacturing plant. Yeah. So, I think if if this would be true, then I think we need to ask questions of who's invading and taking over the plants because um i mean it is it would be a ridiculous i would like, say slightly elite well i mean slightly illegal but logistical nightmare i mean a, a little bit i mean it doesn't okay i would understand if supermicro 
sort of gave over the rights of well, outsourced it. Yeah, in a way. And was basically like, we just wanted to build it here, we'll pay you this money, just build it for us. Maybe it's a bit more plausible, but at the same time, they would do their checks. They'd mm -hmm. be like, I want to see some papers, I want to see something to prove that we're in good hands. And I don't know, they could probably create any paper, but it doesn't make sense. I, mean, I can't get my head around it. You would have to literally overtake like hundreds of, fa of, of factories to make such an impact. But yeah, but yet Bloomberg never retracted the story, never sanctioned any. I want some. Any. I want some evidence. I want a statement from one of the guys who did it, or there was ladies. Two I believe it's two people that wrote the articles. Two men. Yeah, that well, wrote the, articles. the article one. For those lovely gentlemen, I want some hard evidence as to how you know this. I, I just want to see. But I, don't I think, want to I don't see a statement from the person that was at the plant. It's like, yep, I did it, and then we can all believe it. Until it is, then, I'm not believing it. It is regularly talked about on Twitter and things like that, but it's not. I don't think it's really affected anything too much. Like honestly, the problem is when we, when people make up a story, and the story is repeated enough, it it online it becomes a sort of half reality yes that's the main problem because i'm not well, being not, funny you've got bloomberg against all these big companies and there's no evidence in the middle of it so it's like you pick a side and just argue for no reason yeah we didn't see any chips we don't know what chips they're on about these 200 dollars because for 200 dollars a spy chip that's apparently undetectable no, it, and the rest it's no, no i don't think it's saying it's undetectable no it, i think it it's, said it's said in there that it was well, I don't think well, very hard to notice. It Pay says it's an, the two hundred dollars is in fact a bro. It's a, a whole package. It's with only a hundred fifty dollar hot air soldering tool, a forty dollar microscope, and some two dollar ships ordered online. This gentleman was able to alter a Cisco firewall in a way that he says most IT admins likely wouldn't notice, yet would give a remote attacker deep control. So he's saying that there is potential vulnerabilities out there with these software that enables these very, very cheap and very easy to access chi uh, chips with some well, with technical knowledge behind the chips and code put onto the chips that it opens up these systems and these motherboards to... I'm not having it. I very, can't, I can't believe that a $2 chip could hack systems of worth files. No. I'm not quite sure how to make my argument any more clear. There's no proof, it's just statements. Well, this is, this is not actually directly relating to the Bloomberg story. This is saying that it's kind of possible to put a spy chip that it won't be noticed onto a motherboard that can do this. It's not saying this is any... It's, so we're talking about every type of manufacturer out there? Well, no, it's saying this is specifically related to a Cisco... Was, I don't know if it says the actual, it's relating to the Cisco ASA 5505 firewall that is, was able, this tiny five millimeter chip was able to alter in a way that IT admins won't, um, unlikely to realize. So this essentially provides backing to the story in a sense that a spy chip is possible. There's a very simple solution to this. Just train up your staff to notice stuff like this. Well, it's, it's not necessarily staff, is it? It's more... More system, manufacturers or... More computers. Yeah. Look, I, uh, 
it's a tough one because if you could have a $200 kit to make a spy chip to hack most systems, I mean, it just doesn't sound so right. Was it was a $2 chip. The actual chip's $2. Yeah, but I said kit. Oh, kit, sorry. Yeah, because you my, need to actually sort it, like, put it I together. Solder it on, yeah. Um, I would say if this is sort of slightly digging a Supermicro, because it, no, it is, like, mentioned. The Supermicro is mentioned, yes. Yeah. Of course. It's not going to happen. Um, anyone else? No. Just, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, for someone to say that they, they hacked and altered a Cisco system, fine, that's, a, that's some solid evidence. I mean, well, it's a statement. I don't really know how true that is. But if you could do that, then, okay, maybe we should actually, like, increase our security at, at factories, because, you know, but then again, how would you use it? How would you put it? You have to think. If you have the chip right now, you would have to go, where would you go? What system? How would you know which system you want to have? We're so, yeah, it's just a logistical. And there's one more thing they forgot. Most of our stuff is in the cloud, well, it's going towards the cloud now. So they can hack the system for the next five years, but after that, yeah, but Supermicro is used by Amazon, yeah. AWS, which yeah. is a cloud system. Mm -hmm. So it's hacking the cloud, which I don't, isn't yeah, my point was necessarily isn't necessarily. I mean, the cloud, not everything. Will, the cloud has its vulnerabilities, which is part of this. Mm -hmm. If you're outsourcing your your cloud infrastructure and your your storage and your processing power and everything, you lose the right to security, essentially, because you're giving it to them. That is, that is part of the problem. Mm. If you've got your own hardware in front of you, then you are able to, potentially, I mean, look for spy chips. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the I nature would... of someone's business to be able to have the need to look for spy chips and have the lack of trust to look for spy chips when there's actually no evidence that these have ever been planted onto bulk mass systems in the world but that is kind of the the her, like the scary part of that Bloomberg story and why potentially Supermicro stopped tanked is because Supermicro was and is used by some of the biggest companies in the world was Apple, Amazon, what was the other one as well? It was, there was three, wasn't there? NASA made a statement regarding it. There you go. They, well, I don't know. I'm not saying NASA uses Supermicro. What I said was is that NASA was um, Value uh, was the word. Sorry, they value the situation, mm -hmm. and they said that it can't be true. Okay, well, Amazon and Apple that's big. Both enough. have cloud services, and both sensitive information is stored on both credit mm -hmm. card informations and Amazon AWS. As you can't imagine what is stored in their system. Mm -hmm. That is kind of it creates vulnerabilities within the cloud. I have no clue logistically how you would actually use that to your advantage, but that it does provide a vulnerability to the cloud that potentially if you use your own hardware and you have your own hardware on site and you understand the security behind that, it provides, that is one positive of using your own hardware. I mean, I've always made it very clear I wouldn't spend money on something I can't see or touch. Mm. So that's why I say that I would rather have my own hardware. Well, I think there's positives and negatives. I mean, yeah. I think yeah, that's, a that's cloud... That's a whole separate podcast. The, the, the <laughs> whole separate... of well, cloud and, and, and uh, physical hardware. I, I don't I think, think everyone should use hardware. I definitely don't think that. 
there's there's mm-hmm. positives of a cloud yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's scalable mm-hmm. because AWS is is pay what you use essentially. Yes. So if you want to scale overnight like that and have like a million you traffic a million users traffic on your website, you're able to scale instantly. Whereas if you're using your own hardware, you're not able to do that instantly. Yeah, you're. A bit so there is there is. I, we we can properly research this and do this, which we, we, we will we, do at some yeah. point. But there is, there's positives and negatives. Look, on both here's here's my mean. thing. If you can, if regarding this, we need some proof, some solid proof. First of all, about all these accusations. Second of it is I don't see them being able to like overtake a large. Portion of service, physical service. Well, company. the scalability of this method shown here that individually s- soldering on a spy chip is just. Let's think. How are you going to be able to do that to the thousands, hundreds, tens of thousands of motherboards? Millions. I mean, you, you millions, million yeah. Systems, you know, easy. So, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think they just want a story, and I don't know what Supermicro have done to them. Maybe they upset them. Maybe they didn't offer them a coffee when they visited <laughs> them. I don't know what they've done. So Supermicro, just send them like, I don't know, a care box to Bloomberg and said, sorry, don't know what we've done, or Wired, or whoever, and just move on, because I'm, I'm bored. There, there I, is I can't say anything else about it. There's there no is proof. I'm just, it's just words, it's just accusations, because someone was bored. Pro- provide me evidence, or leave it alone. I think that's enough said. Supermicro did say... What? I don't know if it's relation to this story in specific. It doesn't actually okay. state. Uh, it says, there's no need for further comment about false reports from more than a year ago, Supermicro said. In yep. And that's a, and a quote that is clearly stated here. So, I mean, I don't know what else to say. There is something, there is a, a mention here that there is a potential place that if a resistor is replaced on the Supermicro, it's, it's a bit confusing. There is a potential place that a chip like this could be positioned onto the motherboard mm-hmm. and used to potentially create a vulnerability. But it just said the logistical and this the uh, the logistical it's a logistical nightmare. How would you be able to scale this into something that actually does that will affect yeah. a, to a company or to our individual? You you can't really look. Uh, I'll say it once more, just in case. We make this 100% clear. I'll look at the camera and they will need to understand this. No proof has been found or provided and no chips have been found. So what more do you want, right? Mm-hmm. So let's put it to bed. Supermicro is fine. Until someone comes with something, we'll evaluate it then. Until then, it's a false, false news in my opinion. Thing in our opinion really, isn't it? Yeah, let's move on. Oh, I, I, there was an interesting... Oh, sorry, point. I apologize. Hudson argues, however, that a real attacker... This, this chip was, was quite large and it's quite shoddily put onto the, the board. Um, a real attacker with the resources to fabricate custom chips, a process, that, a process that would likely cost tens of thousands of dollars, could have carried out a much more stealthily version of the attack, fabricating a chip that carried out the same BMC tampering functions and fits into a much smaller footprint than the resistor. The result could even be as small as a hundredth of a square millimeter, Hudson says, vastly smaller than the Bloomberg's grain of rice. You were right on the yeah. grain of rice. And that's the end of the... Uh, I mean, 
It's all. It's it's nothing. How realistic no, is it now? I mean, after that statement, I mean, it's even less realistic now. Okay, if we put this to no, bed. no, no. There's one more, one more, okay. one more, one more. Uh, the two authors authors of the story both emphasise that their work isn't meant to validate Bloomberg's tale of widespread hardware supply chain attacks with tiny chips planted in devices. Mm -hmm. That's relating back to the Supermicro story that was a year ago that Bloomberg released. Mm -hmm. They don't even argue that it's, a like, that it's likely to be a common attack in the wild. Both researchers point out that the traditional software attacks can often give hackers just as much access. So it's, it's not necessary, basically. I mean, when they say that, I mean, it's, inter it's an they, interesting story. No, yeah, it is an interesting story. You know, I have to respect the authors. It is Hudson and Elkins. Elkins? I don't know if they're the authors of this story. I, th I believe those are the people that okay, consisted well, I would these like to say to, ex experiments. Well, I'll say to Elkins and Hudson then. I appreciate your honesty, uh, respect. You know, so. I mean, well, it's interesting. It's it is definitely interesting, interesting to see how able yeah. to, uh, to to fabricate well, this kind of story. <laughs> it is always interesting to read it, but it's, it's just not... What do you mean fabricate? What, fabricate? Well, the Bloomberg, so this isn't directly related to that. No, it's no, just no. kind of, it provides some sort of... I think we made a connection more than they did <laughs> to the Bloomberg article. I don't know if it provides, it doesn't provide like, I don't know. It's just an interesting story. I mean, basically what they've said in this whole article, it is possible if someone's got the resources and the time and the effort. Well, and they've said that it's... It's it's very unlikely. And it is and very just, unlikely. Just a pure think, software One attack. chip would be tens of thousands. I mean, I'm not being funny. I mean, it's it's for very, the money you could know. hack. You need to put into hack every server in the world. You could just buy them all twice fold. No. Well, I I, I'm, I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm telling you. <laughs> Let's move. On. That's a fact. Yeah, it's a sad fact. fact. It is a fact. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. Let's move on to the fine final. Growing up in a HPC world. It's a very detailed right. article that was released onto the the next platform, which is an interesting website that contains loads of different various the articles. Next platform. So, so, do you have you read this article? What do you know about this article? You got, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Basically, what it's talking about is talk about ARM. Or ARM. I'm not quite sure which way um, you meant to say it. You mean say it ARM? ARM? Mm, I, yeah. About ARM. Not an actual ARM, like in regards to processors, I mean ARM. Um, I think our viewers will know what ARM is. <laughs> They've made quite big plays in the data center world recently. Well, we've, we've spoken to them before at ISC, I believe, which mm -hmm. is a HPC event in Frankfurt that we attended recently. You should check out our latest, uh, not our latest videos, our videos on that, where I believe we have two videos on that. If you don't, work, if you don't know where Frankfurt is, it's in Germany. Lovely place, lovely little place. Love it. Little. Well, it's not really little, <laughs> is it? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Right, so ARM. It's a British company that cre creates tiny CPUs. 98% uh, of all mobile phones use them, actually. Um, that was in 2005, I believe. That was in 2005. I was getting there. Okay, just thought. I was getting there. <laughs> so basically what they do, they make really small chips. Well, they used to, They still do. They make really small chips. That was the core of their business. Yes. That was the core of their business. Um, they started from, from the UK, so shout out to ARM. Um, and they basically use them in mobile phones to give them that sort of edge. Right. So, they've kind of... Are you okay? <laughs> are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, 
Stay I'm good, I'm good, I'm stay good. Stay with let's me, go, stay let's with go. Me. Tell right. me about armed computers. I'm getting there. So now they've kind of gone the other way. So they went away from mobile phones a little bit and they've gone into computers. So they started focusing about, um, on data centers. Well, it's more into the data enterprise world, isn't it? It's not... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're using the expertise from the mobile world and transferring it into a... To the... Data center world. Uh-huh, thank you. So they started... Um, focusing on data centers about six years ago, um, prioritizing energy efficiency in their CPUs, which the cost of a data center to run it is ridiculous. So the lower your energy consumption, the better. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's a good thing they're focusing on. Um, however, they never took their focus off HPCs, the high, high performance computing. Um, so they've kind of tried to implement their strategy for mobile phones a bit into the Data, into the data center world by taking uh, the processor's uh, energy efficiency, tuning it, and putting it in the data centers. So, um, I mean, they did recently help out HPE, didn't they? Um, with the world's most powerful supercomputer. I think, yeah, it was HPE, um, which was 156th on the top 500 supercomputer no. list. Right. No. Huh? No, yeah, that's, that's nuts, yeah. That's crazy. Did you say no? I said why. Oh, they <laughs> said no. I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's working for them in, in that way. I mean, HP just be, seems to be making many moves, which is interesting. HP works with everyone. Let's be quite honest. Ridiculous. Just, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they, they work with absolutely everyone. But, um, so, where is ARM going now? What are they doing? What the, how are they looking forward to the future? What is this article relating to? So, what they want to do now is they want to produce supercomputers for consumers. Okay, yep. that's a bit of an outlandish... In what sense? Of, it's never really been done before. Well, no, it hasn't been done before. That's why they want to do it. So, when you're thinking of supercomputers, you don't think of me with a 200,000 system in my home, do you? No, you think of it in the middle of a lab or middle of a facility in... I don't know, Las Vegas, you know, where the money is, or Dubai, or somewhere like that, um, just doing work. So what they want to do now is basically not, not try, well, duplicate that sort of performance and make it more accessible to consumers, which I think is, is solid because, you know, consumers do have limitations for using, you know, expensive components, supercomputers, etc. massive limitations. So if they make it more accessible, I mean, it's good, both it's for, good both. for everyone. It's good for everyone, everyone's happy. Right, so, in 2014, they had a chip that were 28 nanometers, and Intel had 14 millimeters. I wanna just compare that in size. So ARM had a 20, okay, I can't physically show with my hand, but they had a 28 nanometer processor, and then Intel had a 14 millimeter, which is about 1.4 inches. 14, no, no, 14 nanometers. No, no, 14, I apologize, 14 nanometers. So, Intel was smaller than ARM at first, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then today, the Intel ones and the ARM ones are slightly, they got smaller, but ARM is actually five nanometers now, Intel's mm -hmm. 10. So it's a huge jump in. Technology. In five years, ARM has lost, I don't know how, but they've lost 23 nanometers in size. Intel's only lost four, and mm -hmm. Intel are huge. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's so, huge. It's a 
I apologize for my mistakes about the nanometers and millimeters. So what happened was when ARM was um, decided, to, well, six years ago, which is 2020 is coming up, so six years, when they started to focus on data centers, they had quite a large chip. Um, Intel was ahead because they had the smallest one. And then... And Intel have been in that region for... Oh, yeah. And then in five years, they flipped it, which... I mean, five nanometers, that is... I don't even know how, to, how tiny to explain. That is absolutely just a speck of dust. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe not <laughs> a speck of dust, but it's close enough. It's so, very, it's a huge jump in technology, wonderful mm -hmm. innovation for the whole industry, really pushing, well, I guess that's pushing Intel to innovate more, yeah. pushing Intel to build upon their technology. Yeah, but ARM have another problem apart from Intel. They're now competing with AMD Epic CPUs. So, as progress occurs, competition rises. So they've got Intel and AMD to deal with well, now. Well, competition is the best. Competition's good. It benefits the consumer. Yes. Um, there's, there's no real negative to it I for mean, the consumer. I'm just thinking in the next like five, six years, I, I, is it going to genuinely be like unseeable, this chip? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, if they can't go... So, I, we'll I have they, to go to a different measurement. They're going to... Yeah, I don't even know what the next one is. But um, if they make it... If they, somehow keep making it smaller with better energy efficiency and better performance it's just a win-win maybe arm will be um will be well i mean they are big they are huge but maybe we'll see more of them than other types of processors in data centers we don't know we'll see right we'll see a bit increase of arm potentially. yeah so um i would like to say congratulations to arm for their success so far keep up the good work and yeah make us proud as the brits <laughs> My accent has no convincing that, does it? <laughs> right. I, there's not really much more to say about ARM. I think that's, I've covered most. Um, it's a very long, detailed argument. Uh, argument. Yeah. Article, and we will leave a link to it in the below. We've yeah. briefly summarised the majority of the article about being about ARM. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very long. It, very is, it is quite long. Um, I mean, we'll have it on the screen, and the link will be down in the description. So check it out if you want some more information. We've just briefly covered it. Um, and yeah. Well, now we have something very quickly to mention just at the end of the video. We have a new release, well, relatively new release from Samsung. I believe mm -hmm. it is two new PCIe SSDs. Yep. These aren't very common, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly fast. That is the purpose of using a PCIe SSD compared to a normal SSD compared mm -hmm. to a M.2. So, what do you tell me a little about this? What are they called? So, they released two SSDs the PM1733 and the PM1735. Uh, they are Gen 4 PCIe SSDs, so they made the fourth generation now. Um, I mean, these SSDs could affect the way the data um, center storage is used in the foreseeable future. They will sort of mold how how storage is kept and what kind of storage that they use. Um, I mean, there are three big technological innovations for these SSDs. Um, the FIP SSD virtualization and VNAND uh, machine learning. So you have to think there's already three big... Um, like in innovations for these for these fields. So, yeah, that would be the first point I would make. Would you be able to tell me about the first one there, the uh, FIP, the full full in place? Yeah, so it's it's so FIP stands fail for in fall, place. fail in place technology. 
um, it's the new milestone in the 60 year history of storage. So basically what they want to do is um, create a SSD uh, that will last for years, for like, they say a lifetime, depends on how you look at it, but I reckon for at least 30, 40, 50, 60 years. They want to create one SSD that was going to last that long. It's not going to break, um, and should something happen, you have a backup for it. Yeah? So that's basically the uh, first one. So FIP can detect a, um, a memory chip within an SSD, a faulty one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, scan for damaged data and then relocate any undamaged data into working chips. So if we have an SSD with a faulty chip, uh, the fail in place, FIP, will detect it, mm -hmm. will scan it. Anything that's salvageable, that still works, that is uncorrupted data, it will relocate it so we, it is still preserved. Mm -hmm. That's the main point for fail in place. Is, mm -hmm. is as a as I said a, as a backup. That's a very useful technology. Oh, of course, of course, it's, it's, it's huge because you have to think when you have loads of um, important sensitive yeah. information. It's very important to keep it safe. That's the main purpose of it. If something fails, which is very unlikely to happen. Well, you, anyway, you have to think that, when, that nowadays you have um, SSDs and storage is getting bigger and bigger by the year, and if you have ten years worth of information and and the drive collapses you need to recover that data because that's a lot of data to lose. So that's the main point of fail in, fail in place, FIP. So tell me a little bit about the second main innovation behind this technology, SSD virtualization. Yes, so that is the, new the second new addition to the drive. It allows the subdivision of SSD up into up to 64 smaller virtual SSDs. I mean, what more do you want, really? It, it basically what it does is it takes an SSD, and you can divide into 64 smaller virtual SSDs. It's like when you create a partition, or yeah, it's like when you create a partition. You take, let's say, you have a 120 gigabyte SSD, as, a, as a, just an example, you take 60 of it and you create a virtual SSD. So you've got 260 gigs. So I'd say that's perfect for cloud storage providers? Yes, yeah. it's also good for if, for example, instead of having 10, 10 terabyte SSDs, you just have one, well, it would be one, was it uh, one petabyte? No, it's 100. 100 terabytes. 100 terabytes, sorry. Should have used a better example. Yeah, I? you should have used But it. for example, it would be a 100 no, no, terabyte SSD, yes. or if you want to make it in smaller ways so you understand better, let's say you need 5 terabytes of storage, right? Mm -hmm. You need 5 terabytes. Instead of buying 5 1 terabyte drives, you just buy one 5 terabyte and you can divide it with SSD virtualization. Mm -hmm. So, saves on costs, saves on physical space. I mean, what more do you want, really? Um, I mean, you, the, the point you made about the cloud is actually a good point because when you have, let's say you need, each customer needs a, a set amount of storage, like you said with AWS, you just buy one massive drive that holds a lot of storage and then you just divide it between them. So, as I said, it can make life a bit easier. Samsung did also make a statement that this SSD can carry out some tasks that would normally be carried out by the CPU. Uh, for even further efficiency. So, what that means is, if you have an SSD that can do some tasks that the CPU can, the CPU will not need to do those tasks and it can focus on something else. So, increase speed, as I said, efficiency, um, performance will be optimal because the CPU is not under as much pressure anymore. Mm -hmm. So, that's what would be, yeah. So, the main two points is, you can just buy one big drive, you don't have to buy several small ones and if the SSD, which they said they can, can carry out some tasks that the CPU can, 
Yeah. Increases. On the second one, I'm not sure they haven't actually provided too much details. That's what no, 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 no. They haven't. They haven't really given an insight into this mm -hmm. yet. But it's certainly an interesting statement. I mean, it's, it is a pretty like transparent statement. There's no lies or anything like that. It's no false information. They said that they can carry out some tasks with the CPUs. Um, I guess we just have to see on... I think we need to play around with a couple of them. And it'd be very interesting, yeah. It would be quite interesting to see how they perform. So, or if any of you have used one, um, you know, just let us know how you find it. Are they out yet? I believe not. No? When are they out? I don't know. Whenever, well, when they come out, if you do use them, let us know. So, tell me about the third innovation of these. Go on. What were you saying? Uh, yeah. Tell so, me about the third innovation. I'm not quite innovation. sure exactly how to pronounce it. It's V-N-A-N-D or V-N-A-N-D. I think I, 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 I really don't know. I'll cover both. Um, <laughs> so basically what it does is it enables accurate prediction and verification of cell characteristics. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? So they do, do it basically through circuit pattern vari variation. Um, in simple terms, to make even for yourself, data will be processed at ultra-fast speed by reading the electricity difference between circuits, which is quite... Interesting because they not they always did it by the data itself. Now they won't be doing that. So um, this will allow more precise control and therefore higher levels of performance and reliability. So what? So just to sort of cover it, yeah. The last point, just very simply, what they used to do they used to read the data of the um, like the physical data itself, right? Instead, they're going to be these uh, the will be processing the the. Um, the readings of the electricity difference between circuits. Mm -hmm. So as we know, electricity travels rather quickly. So they will be reading that instead of the actual physical data. Um, and I mean, of course, it makes sense. High performance and uh, levels and reliability because you don't have to focus on the, you know, the physical data that's stored because if that corrupts, it all goes in half. I mean, that's pretty much all there is to say about it. I hope I explained that well. How many different models will there be, Seb? 19. <laughs> <laughs> From what range? I mean, here's the size-wise, will they be? Well, here's why I made the point about small and large size SSDs. You can have a 0.8 terabyte, so 800 gig SSD, all the way up to just over 30 terabytes, 30.72 terabyte, in one drive, in two different form factors. The PCIe card will be um, stand well based in the um, PCIe card based, so triple HL. And the standard 2.5-inch U.2. So, they've kind of made it so you'll you have, when I mean triple HL um, or PCI card based, we'll go in a PCIe slot. And the standard 2.5-inch U.2 is just a standard drive. Yeah? How fast? Okay, so the half height, half length is what the triple HL stands for. Yeah. Um, those drives will have ultra-fast read speeds up to 8 Thousand. 8,000 megabytes. I was trying to make it smaller. It's, it's yeah, 8,000 megabytes <laughs> or a, or a 8 gig. Just say 8,000 megabytes. 8,000 megabytes second, per which second. Is far faster than the already super fast 6,400 megabytes per second afforded by the U.2 drive. Yeah. I believe these were released last month around the end of September. We're now mid-October-ish. So, I mean, yeah. They also, however, announced some RAM, which we need to discuss for. 
Um, with, so basically, the point of these SSDs, they are fully prepared for the AMD ROM processors that are going to be released. They're fully optimized to work with PCIe Gen 4 at a staggering double um, the current speed of the Gen 3 SSDs. This news, um, along with the new technologies that these SSDs bring, they will probably make them the most popular choice with the um, AMD customers um, to be, you know, to be protected in the future. So, I see why they released them, I see the benefits of them. I would say they're worth it. Okay, we have to depend on how pricing comes, we'll have a look at that. Um, but, yeah, I think AMD customers would love, the, would love this drive. So, yeah. Especially as they're built around being optimized yeah, for, for the, the new mm -hmm. AMD Rome Rome series. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah, Doubling so Gen 3, that's quite an achievement. Obviously, these are going to be incredibly expensive, so that is only for the very specific market. Well, I don't know it's how expensive the, the 800 gig drive will be. I mean, we'll have to see, really. They are incredibly fast. I mean, oh, they they are rapid, but so that's that's where the speed comes from. So it's obviously not necessary for everything. We're talking about very specific oh, yeah. use cases, mm -hmm. like search engine optimization. I, there's some, I, I don't have too much knowledge around the topic, but I believe there is some need for extremely fast storage mm -hmm. around that kind of industry. Mm -hmm. And it's just very specific. So it is very expensive, oh, but yeah. it's still a very interesting innovation. So yeah, well, I think congratulations are in order to Samsung. Um, and we'll have to see how these perform when they come out. So yeah, I mean, Hopefully we'll be able to get our hands on some. Samsung, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big ask because these are very, yeah. they're, they're, they're uncommon, I can say. And they are. Potentially they be, more yeah. for, for us, they're uncommon. I don't know about other supermarket resellers, but particularly for us, they for us are, are uncommon. Yeah. But I mean, we can potentially ask yeah, yeah. our suppliers if we are able to get some of these to test in our office. Or It'll Samsung, start sponsoring us. Samsung, We would really appreciate us. that. If you could send us one, the smallest one, just we want to play around with it, we want to get a feel for it, let us know, we would really appreciate it. Um, we did say, because we do discuss in, in podcasts what we want to do in the future, uh, we do want to take um, new components, and we are going to discuss just that in a sort of very short podcast, not very short, but a shorter podcast. Well, so this is also, I'd like to say something, this is not actually a podcast, this is a show. Like, a podcast is, the actual definition is, it's, an, it's very specific and it relates to right. only audio. This is more of a the data podcast show. So it'd be the data show. The data show, but it's not, it's the data podcast, but we'll gloss over that fact. Okay. But yes, we will be, well, we're breaking up into this, this into a sep separate, multiple different videos containing different questions and different topics. So I believe that Showcasing new technology would be a very interesting way to take this, and we are open to many different ideas. Yeah, as, as I was saying, we will be, um, hopefully, if we can get our hands on some of the new components being released, uh, playing around with them and giving you some statistics. I think that would be quite good. Do some comparisons as well. That's what we want to get into the future. Um, well, I think I've said my part for this podcast. Well, for the future, we want more collaborations. Yeah, yeah. We do potentially have a collaboration with Supermicro on our hands. Ooh. Very, very, very potentially. Yeah. Nothing confirmed. Uh, hopefully, we can get hold of Samsung. Maybe we can do one with them about it. You know, with I would really like to speak to, also potentially, we were speaking to a couple of our comp competitors at Supermicro Innovate. 
and they, some of them seem interest seem interested in becoming a guest or collaborating on a podcast mm -hmm. with us, which I think would very would be a unique dynamic. Yeah, providing value to everyone. Maybe they have different insights on articles and different insights on stories that we yeah, yeah. do have from. Maybe they deal with loads of PCIe SSDs, so they can tell us how this is absolutely amazing where we don't really deal with them that much. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I think that would be very interesting for the future. Another podcast coming next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. We also have regular videos. Recently, last week, we had a video about the, how to update your IPMI for a super micro system. That will only be relevant to some of you, I'm sure, as the majority of you will most likely know how to already do that. It's just us giving back to the community, helping you guys out. So, yeah. Yeah, well, what, I mean, we what you'd believe... Enjoy providing true value yes that is our premise providing true value nothing else not trying to sell so i think that's i think this has been a very successful podcast yeah. check out all of our other videos because i know we will have so many from supermicro innovate uploaded currently on our channel easily five or more oh, wow. uploaded onto our channel currently new podcast coming next week yeah. another video interesting video coming this week as well which i'm not sure is yet <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what it is yet, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. So Always thank you very much for watching. Please like and subscribe. If you have liked the video, like the video. If you have also liked it, subscribe. Yeah. Any ideas you want for the future, just comment down below. Or, or send, yeah. In, tweet us. Tweet us. Server Factory. Us, yeah, whichever one. All of our, our LinkedIn links are down below. Feel free to connect with us. Yep. And we thank you for watching. Good night. Go do a little, a little, a little dance again. Nah, because you, you keep that in the first <laughs> yeah, time. I get that in. Why? Right. <clears throat>